Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Would you uh, say this passage of Scripture from Romans 12 aloud with me? Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligent, fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. Distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. Lord, we just ask this morning as we enter into this brief time of study into your word, Lord, we look at these descriptions laid out in Romans 12 of what the body's to look like. We say, help us to understand this. Lord, I pray that you would give enlightenment to your word to enter into our minds and our thoughts, our emotions, and renew us. Just let renewing come into us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm going to use words this morning that have to do, I don't even know what to say or call it, but in the grace camp, uh, this, the grace movement of God that I believe has been going on for a lot of years, but has been highlighted probably especially in the past six to eight years, um, for many of us, there's been some things that have freed us from the stifling religious approach to our faith. Would you say that? I have, I have probably had more freedom in the past seven years than, you know, and I, seven years ago I started saying from this platform, I feel like I've been born again, again. I can still say it today. I feel like I've been born again, again. And uh, through, through many things, you know, and I won't go through them all today, but, you know, we believe, this is what we believe, that We've been justified by our faith alone. We believe in the finished work of the cross as a surety of our relationship with God. We believe in God's great desire for us to see us live a life that trusts Him in all things. We believe we have and live in unmerited favor. Somebody please say amen to that. We believe that sin no longer has dominion over us. On and on and on. We could go through one doctrinal issue after another and go, oh, such freedom. And you get into the New Testament and you find out a whole bunch of numerous scriptures that address Christian behavior. And with freedom, we like to go, yeah, well, uh, Are they important? Do they matter? Does our behavior as believers matter? Is it wrong to have godly behavior? As a matter of fact, the grace message would actually tell you this is what you're supposed to live in. This is how we live. Interesting in Titus that he says the grace of God teaches us to live godly in this present age. 
And so our behavior isn't an issue of whether uh, uh, I have to do it or that it has to look like this. And I, I'm re- I can be really good at slipping back into equations and living by a series of equations. Uh, I have to get my mind renewed all the time. But I also know this, people outside of this grace understanding are highly critical of those inside it that we uh, just do whatever we want. I have found that to be untrue, I want to say. I think the grace of God has taught me more about behavior than just about anything else in my life. But one of the criticisms that I have, and in our understanding of grace, I have to say this, it seems like, so can I step on our toes this morning? Mine too? Grace people get a little complacent. With with freedom and the not have to's, oftentimes you slip into the you don'ts. You you don't do it. Um, And this thing of, ooh, I'm so hesitant to use this language, but uh, I want to talk about it because of a word in here, the word fervent, that grace people really just aren't on fire. Heresy. It's falling all over me. It's not true. But I know there are things in my life, and in this, I have to stir myself up sometimes. And it's not legalism. It's actually really good for my life. And I want to look at verse 11 here and just make a couple of comments about it. It says this. This is what Christian, and and you have to understand, so let me give you a little bit of context. In the verses just ahead of this, he starts talking about gifts that are in the body and how you and I look at each other, how we take care of each other, the gifts that God gave us to minister to each other with, just like we did when we just prayed. And And then he goes into these series of behaviors, and he says this. He says, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Are you fervent? What is it? Not an accusation, just a question. How many of you thought I was accusing when I said that? That it felt that way? No? Huh, not very religious here. What does the word fervent mean? Enthusiastic. What else? Steadfast. What else? Passionate. Hot. Fiery. That's what fervent actually means. To to be very, to very be very hot. Now here's what this speaks to me about our behavior. It's not an it's not an issue of right or wrong. It's not an issue about your standing in God. It's not an issue about are you really living the Christian faith. It's none of those things. It's an issue of maturity. Actually, when we grow in God and grace, we should become more fervent, not less. That that's what it would lead us into. Therefore, it's an issue of maturity. And the issues around it are actually a reflection 
of how we're growing in our knowledge and wisdom and spiritual discernment, understanding. Now, why we run into this kind of thing has to do with this. I believe that this whole passage of Scripture and what it's looking at is an indicative and not an imperative. What do you mean? Indicatives are this. They're a verb form that represent a denoted act or is stated as an objective fact or a state of being. It indicates something about your life. So Paul's saying here, look, this, when, when you're fervent in spirit, it indicates something. An imperative is which actually... It's how I used to read most of the scriptures. It means it's commanded of you. It's an imperative. You must do this. I don't think that's what Paul's writing. I don't think it's the, if you look at the original Greek language, it's indicating and he's saying, hmm, you know what believers look like when they're together? They're, they're diligent. What does it mean to be Diligent. Hardworking, persistent, seeing it through to the end. You're consistent in all that you do. And it's words like that. And listen, of all the things that grace people should do, they should not shy away from these things. They should actually pray them into their lives and say, I want to appear more like this. I want to look like this. I want my life to just be such a delight. And I'm going to trust that you're going to help me do that. You're going to give me grace to do that. So this isn't an issue of returning to legalism. It's really an issue of this. So I'm asking us questions this morning. Are you hungry? You hungry for God? See, that, that's, always the, that's the thermometer for me. Whenever my hunger over God, him being, you know, me being active in him, him being active in me, me recognizing it, me talking about it, me being fervent, me being excited, me being passionate, all those things, when, when that's taking place, it's because I'm a hungry dude. I'm a hunger for the things of God. How can we not have, of all the people on the planet, it's grace people that should be the most desirous of the things of God because it says, oh, taste and see the Lord is, oh, he is so good. It becomes a focal point of my life. So it's not an issue of returning to legalism. I'm trying to be something. No, I am something. God has done a work in me. I start, we did this in our, in our study group this morning. I start confessing who I am in Christ. I start declaring morning by morning. Listen, you start declaring morning by morning new measures of faith in your life, you start getting hungry. 
You start going, yeah, I think I'll turn to that second Peter thing, you know. And we, you, get a, you just get a taste. Listen, if your life's dull and you don't feel like you're fervent in spirit, go taste and see that the Lord's good because he's so doggone good. He wants to interact. He wants to be in our life. He wants to stir up fervor right here. What does fervor in spirit look like? Looks like this guy. And when it's not there, this guy prays, I want to look like this guy. I want to be exactly who God made me to be. Not because I have to, because I get to. And then life begins. And it's really strange. It's, a, it's not this, oh God, I'm so hungry for you, one morsel. It's not that begging thing. It's, oh, coming to the table of the Lord. I start redeclaring things in my life, over my life, to be absolutely true of my life, and then I walk in that. Oh, my gosh. And all of a sudden, I don't have to prove to you I'm fervent in spirit. We don't have to wear masks. Last couple weeks were really hard for me. I would admit it freely to anybody. You know, I had people, close friends around me either died or, or they're in that process. It was hard. It was tired of winter. It was all those things. But I can either, I can either stay there. And keep describing how all those things are hard. I can move under the shadow of his wing. <laughs> just get, you know, just get right up under there. We got this crazy cat. No, really, we do. This is cat dog cat. Brenda got it as a little kitten a few months ago. This thing is unbelievable. This cat will throw herself up on your lap. And roll on her back and go, pet my stomach. (laughs) And if you won't pay attention, she'll flip back over and she gets right up in your face. With me, she starts nipping at my beard. I'm going, you know, I heard of dogs doing that. But, you know, it's it's like, she will, she nuzzles you. And I was thinking about being, that cat is fervent in spirit. That cat wants attention and wants it now, and it is not going to stop until it gets it. And if you put her down, she'll jump right back up and throw herself. She'll just, like, she jumps up there and she just throws herself against you, you know. Pet me. Yeah, Brenda does love it. I'm learning to tolerate it. No, I like it. It's really, it's, you know, it's good without having to. Pick up after a dog. <clears throat> and I went, oh, God just delights when we're that way with him. Even when we're struggling, even when stuff doesn't make sense, even when life is smacking at you, he just want, he want, that's the time to just jump up on his lap and <laughs> squeeze yourself into him. And here's what happens. You become fervent. You get hungry, and then you eat some of the Lord. You taste he's good. And this is what it does. It makes you more hungry. So it's not an issue of returning to legalism. Peter understood this too. Look at this passage of Scripture. 
He says, for this reason, we're going to come to that reason in a minute, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in present truth. So he's talking about grace people. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you. Knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me, moreover, he says even much more than this, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. Thank you, Peter. He somehow saw. He moved into that, I guess what we would call a prophetic realm. And he went, I'm going to write this down and this is going to bless the people of God for a couple of centuries. I'm going to remind, he was so fervent. Right there at the end. What was he so fervent about? The passage of scripture just before it. Remember he said, for this reason, I want to stir you up. I want to stir the embers of fire. I want to stir the embers of hunger. That you get hungry again for things in your life. So he says this, verse 5, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence... Add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, self-control perseverance, perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will not be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and have forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. See, (laughs) the issue of sin isn't going back and repenting for stuff that is coming back into your mind. Here's what it is. Get fervent for the things of God. He's saying mature. Eat. Taste. Get hungry. If you're not hungry, guess what you can ask for? Hunger. Lord, I just seem to be like, you ever have that? Just not there. Something's off. Something's out of kilter. I don't look like I used to look. Uh, my behavior's slipping a little bit. Even my speech. This isn't legalism, but like I, I just want to drop cuss words lately. I just want to, just kind of mad. I just want to go kick something. You know, that car that parked too close to me, I just want to push the mirror a little bit on it, you know? That person I wanted that drove me off the road, I just want to give them a high sign, you know? But get get that get that little going in us. And then when that stays there long enough, you find other things. You're just not fervent in your heart. Now this isn't about legalism. This is about getting deeply hungry to see the things of God at work in you again. It's not about gaining access to God. It's not. There's not one thing you can do that would get him to pay more attention to you. What it is is you're not paying attention to his attention. You're not, it's not him you're not paying attention to. Guess who you're not paying attention to? 
me. I'm not paying attention to me. I'm not feeding me. He's not up there going, oh, the kid just won't eat. Well, he's going to sit at the table until he eats those green beans. That's not God. That's not God. He, he's, already, he's filled with you. I can tell you right now, each person that's sitting in this room, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, he is completely delighted in you right now. You're not delighted in you. And that's why you're not fervent. Is that too much? You're not delighted in you. You're not declaring who you are in Christ. We're not, you know, you can, you can look and you say, oh, yeah, that's just playing a silly game. No, it's not. It is not. All I have to do is take Romans 6 and do it again, over and over and again. He died, I died. He was buried, I was buried. He rose, I rose. I live in a resurrection being now. Glorious to behold. Maybe we've got to kick out the old false humility thing again. Looking in the mirror and saying, Lord, you're the delight of heaven. Angels are rejoicing when they look at your life right now. Saints that have gone before you. I don't know how this works. I'll tell you what, you want to read a good book? It's called Imagine Heaven, John Burke. It's about near-death experiences and how he cataloged them and what it has to say about it. What people who have supposedly gone over, I don't know. Some of it's speculation. Some of it's experience. I understand all that. But I tell you what, if that's just a taste of glory, count me in. Give me some of that. I'm hungry for that stuff. Count me in. To think that my grandma Dina is up there looking down from heaven going, oh, Lord, you're going to make it. It's so glorious. Your life is so special. Look at you. Look at you. All the prayers I prayed for you. All the prayers. And they're coming to fruition. Oh, glory to God in the highest. Look at my grandson. Oh, come on, you guys. Those who've gone before us, the delight that's in us, over us, over you and I. Say this with me. I am the delight of heaven. Ooh. I can just start wearing that stuff. I am the righteousness of God on the earth today. Me. You. This gets us hungry. Here's the other thing. Here's what Peter did. I'll close with this. He said it to others. He said it to himself, then he said it to others. Here's what happens when we become fervent in spirit over these things. I start stirring you up. The most fun I have with my life is seeing people get the aha look in their faces. We all get to do this, not just up here. I'm not just talking about Sunday mornings. 
We're talking about when you start talking to somebody who's downcast, who's in despair, who's having struggles of life, who doesn't believe everything about them that Christ has done for them, and you start start stirring. And you just, there's something happens inside of us when we do that. Something occurs in my heart, in my mind, in my being when I start ministering grace. So Ephesians 4.29 says this. It says, don't let corrupt communication come out of your mouth. But that which is good, right, ministers grace to the ears. They have enough religion. I want to talk about the grace of God. I want to talk to them the unmerited favor that rests over them as they walk through life, as they paint another wall, as they do their daily duties, as they raise their little child. Say, so do those things and say, yeah, it's the work of the Lord at you, right through you. And you start declaring things over their life and then see that look come into their face. They go, oh, yeah, I forgot that. I don't know about you, but like I have trouble with memory lately. Lately? I need to be, like Peter said, I need to be reminded of these things. And it is not legalistic for you and I to remind each other of who we are in Christ, what our behavior looks like. Not in a mean spirit, you ain't acted right today, Noel. You need to go get your act, you know. Would you just go away and pray for a little while? You got bad attitude. Bad. My youngest one couldn't say bad attitude, so he called it bad attitude. I've owned it since then because it fits, doesn't it? It's not that. It's coming alongside. If I'm fervent in spirit, locking arms with somebody, locking arms with Noel, I'll say, oh, you are just the most incredible on-fire believer. What if it's not true? Speak it into being. Declare it true over that other person. Husbands and wives, try this. Instead of telling each other what you did wrong, pray what you're going to do right. Pray the right identity on them. Not kick off another list. Now quit poking each other. I saw that. That's already doing that. Well, if you do this, this, and this, and this, we'd have a better home. Really? What if I grabbed you and said, honey, I so believe in you this day. You're the very strength of Christ to me. I delight in seeing you operate in all your gifts. I delight in the way you love God and the way he loves you. And I believe the very best for you. What what happened? We get fervent. Your marriage might get fervent. Ooh. can happen. Yes? Would you stand with me? Hey, team, come on. Can you close this Listen, being fervent and being hungry is not about legalism. It is not about a measurement. It is not about a dictation of how we have to do something. It is a receiving of the hunger for the hunger of the Lord. And to be, be this in our lives. 
Can I pray for you? Two people, okay. Well, I'm going to go beyond your boundary and pray a very dangerous prayer for you this morning. Because I believe I have great authority. (laughs) Clothed with immense power. And he answers my prayers. So Jesus, I pray for us, for each one of us, that you would not leave us alone. That you would go beyond the boundaries that we have set up in our minds and our thoughts that keep you in a way that hinders you in our life. I ask that you would disrupt. I ask that you would knock us off our horses. I ask that you would just bring about such a a new, refreshing wind in our life that great change would happen. I ask that the smile of the Lord would come back into our faces. I ask that joy would immensely come in and affect each one of our hearts, even when we don't want it. Don't let our don'ts stop you, God. So go beyond our don'ts. Go beyond, break every boundary that we have set up that is designed to keep us stuck and we don't even know it. God, of all the things I can think of that would be the worst hell to live here, would to be left alone and not have you be present So God, don't leave us alone. Every heart that's in here, do not leave them alone. I pray and I prophesy that this week will be a week of disruption, a week of hunger, a week of fervor, fervent in spirit, a week of recapturing, realigning, rezoning things in our lives. So help us, God.